I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Here's Andrew Bogus for the moment. Welcome in. It's a Wednesday edition of Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. Across the country and all our great affiliates on the free Odyssey app on Sirius XM channel 158. Radio Rose, Super Bowl week continues in Vegas with no one on this show there. I get to look at D-Sale, Purdy Daddy CBS for the moment. Bill will be here momentarily as well. He is in his third state in the last uh, seven or eight shows from California to New York, back to Cali. He's in Florida at the moment. He'll be here to do most of the show in just a second. But it's me and Diesel for the moment. And it's the Niners and the Chiefs on Sunday. Simultaneously, the AFC title game or the conference championship games seem like yesterday and a long time ago. Like we should have already be through the Super Bowl or I can't believe it's not here just yet. Either way, it's almost time to play this game. Both teams get on the practice field today. It's going to feel as close as Super Bowl week can feel to a regular week. Now they dive back into their regular schedules, and then we get the game on Sunday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, depending on where you are. And there are a thousand different ways to look at this. I think the easy way, the quote-unquote kind of incorrect way to check on this game is Mahomes versus Purdy. There's conversations historically, of course, about Mahomes v. Tom Brady. There's Andy Reid's future, his resume, But there's also kind of a bigger picture team versus team. Yes, this is the second time in five years that they're going to meet Chiefs-Niners. But it's not like it's the exact same teams from five years ago meeting again now. Same head coaches, some a lot of the same names, but there's also new names. There's guys, especially on the San Francisco side, there are guys who were on the team, part of that original Niner meetup but have bigger roles now, or roles, period. And when you put them side by side, clearly, like everybody else in the NFL, the Niners want to be where the Chiefs are now. And the Chiefs have had to reinvent themselves to a certain extent this year, playing more defense with less offense, figuring both of those things out and putting them together to have this great run through January to get here to February and be playing a game in Las Vegas on Sunday, trying to win another Super Bowl title, while the Niners haven't gotten back to this game since that first meeting with KC five years ago and took their lumps, losing back-to-back NFC Championship games, the one in Philadelphia where D-Cell was up next to play quarterback for Kyle Shanahan, and then this year with the big halftime hole able to rally and stun the Lions and beat the Lions and then finally get back into this game They've lived, you know, that initial team from five years ago is obviously a continuation to a certain extent, but it's all, it's, it's really a different incarnation of the Niners, one that has built kind of, that's obviously not rock bottom losing a Super Bowl, but that was almost like 
day zero. And then they started to rebuild their way back up with the odd failure in trading and drafting Trey Lance backed up immediately by the miracle of stumbling upon Brock Purdy with the last pick of that draft. And then they take their lumps. They live the normal progression where you have to lose before you can win. And they probably only wanted to lose all NFC title game. They had to lose two of them and then really flirted with losing three in a row, but rallied two Sundays ago to get that win to get back in this game, and now they're thinking about capping it off Sunday and really finishing the progression, which would do a lot of things. That would make Super Bowl title number six for the franchise. They join the Steelers and Patriots for the most ever. Kyle Shanahan as a head coach would certainly answer, negate, wipe out some of the failures he has had as a head coach and as a coordinator in the biggest of spots in January and in February. 28-3 rings a bell, right? And then you talk about the players who are, in certain aspects, Kittle and Bosa, maybe historically good players who then can throw a Super Bowl ring on their resume. And then there are young guys like Debo Samuel, like Christian McCaffrey. So I guess maybe it's more in the Bosa uh, angle of this. And then Purdy could do this, do this as well and get an immediate head-to-head win over Mahomes on the biggest stage. And... I know Vegas is still slightly leaning towards the Niners and not that I am anything close to the Vegas mind, but that's probably where I'm leaning now too because I like the way they've had to build this. I like the way they have fought through things. I like that they've faced some adversity here along the way. You know, the Chiefs doing what they've done, just racing into the Super Bowl with Mahomes and then going back and back and back and winning more than once That's not the norm. It's a nice way to do it if you can do it, but most teams can't. The Niners taking the kind of tough route here, not always by design, but it's kind of built them for this moment. And even though Kyle Shanahan has been very connected to a couple of playoff failures and falling flat on his face, I I just don't think the Niners are going to make the same mistakes that the Ravens did a couple of weekends ago. I don't think the Niners are going to have what seemed like the incorrect game plan to begin with. I don't think they're going to panic if KC scores early like they always tend to do. P.S. on that. I don't I don't know if anything is more impressive and less talked about than whatever this streak is now. Seven, eight, nine consecutive playoff games scoring on their first drive. That's hard to do in weeks two through 11. And they keep doing it in the postseason across multiple years at home, on the road. It doesn't make any sense. It is super impressive. And scoring 10 quick points in Baltimore on Sunday messed the Ravens up to a point where they could not recover. And they abandoned things. They did things that did not make sense. They were not their strength that played into the Chiefs' hands. And they lose an AFC title game at home. I just I don't feel like the Niners are going to do that. They're not going to not feature Christian McCaffrey. They're not going to be inventive with Debo Samuel and others running the football or making plays in the middle of the field where maybe the Chiefs are susceptible to things, not up front and not in the back end with a really good secondary. I just think the Niners are prepared here because they've lived this life of that disappointment from five years ago, the first time they saw the Chiefs, and then getting older getting experience, feeling the pain, feeling the hurt of losing just before the Super Bowl and now fighting their way back into it. I um, I, I don't know. It's can never lean on and predict an all-time game, 
but Reed and Mahomes, Shanahan and the Niners, McCaffrey, Bosa, the Purdy story from Mr. Irrelevant to you know the outskirts of the MVP conversation this year. There are so many things just sitting there to make this game so thrilling when it actually happens. It is, it's a great setup for these last two weeks to get to kickoff. But then when kickoff happens, I feel like the game's going to deliver well because Mahomes and the Chiefs don't mess up in these spots. They show up, well, they have showed up two out of the three times. I still don't understand how they couldn't figure out how to block from a Holmes against the Bucks better than they did. That was a head-scratcher. We all knew that was going to be the game plan. We knew that the Chiefs were banged up on the offensive line in that game, and they had two weeks to prep for it, and they still had no smart blocking scheme that ruined the entire game. But that's the exception to the rule. They're going to be there. They're going to deliver. Mahomes is not going to make the crucial mistake. He's not going to put them behind. And even if something does happen not in their favor, he's going to find a way to rally it. Andy Reid's going to make a right decision or two. And the Niners are going to be there step for step. I love this game. I love this game. Because there's 8,000 different ways it can take us. And I'd be stunned. You know, some games have a weird feeling. Some games don't set up well. Some games are lopsided. This game is so even. And there's so many different things to sink your teeth into. And it's an interesting kind of side-by-side comparison of a team that's gotten here and stayed here, got in the big stage and stayed on it, as well as anybody has not named the Patriots in recent memory. And then the Niners, who maybe were a little bit ahead of schedule to get there five years ago, reset a couple of things, take on some experience, take on some lessons, luck to a certain extent into Brock Purdy, and now they're back here all geeked up and prepared and ready to go. And it's only Wednesday still. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. It's bogus. It's pretty daddy. For the moment, hanging out for Bill Ryder. He will join us here momentarily um, from Florida and take you the rest of the way. Diesel, you seem calm right now. Does that mean things have settled, or you put on a good face for me at the moment? I'm trying to put on a good face for you at the moment. Hopefully I'm succeeding in that. I guess so. I mean, but I'm kind of waiting for you to give me the official signal of Bill's decided to join us. You can go to break so Bill can take over. And I haven't, I don't think I've gotten that signal yet. You have not gotten that signal. And uh, I don't think I'm giving you that signal anytime soon. How has your week in Vegas gone so far? Uh, Much like every other week in Vegas has gone for me. I've never (laughs) been there. (laughs) You know what? I've never been there either. And that's a sentence that has been greeted in my life at least with some of the most disappointment and, like, disdain that I can remember. I can say a lot of things about myself, things I believe in, things I've never done, and it's like nothing. When I tell people I've never been to Vegas, that's about as judgy as they can get of my life choices. Do I really need to have been to Vegas? You seem fine without Well, actually, you don't seem fine without it. Never mind. I mean, I'm personally fine about it, but others would tell you that I'm not fine. Should we go together? We can do that. That would probably not work in your favor. But I'm game. What if we took in a non-romantic but romantic weekend trip to Vegas to try and rekindle the friendship that I still feel so strongly 
you spend so much energy trying to dismiss. That's not true. I go over to your little anchor booth every morning and try to rekindle it. But when you start talking about things I don't want to talk about, I just walk away. That's not how I read those interactions. Oh, okay. Well, this is why we're not on the same page. Usually you come to me needing something. A pronunciation. Yearning. Uh, It's not yearning. It's not yearning. It's how do I say this last name? Is it Jurgen's Kloop? Or you're looking for validation of an idea? I like validation. That's true. Yeah. You you definitely need confirmation. You need someone to sign off on all of your moves. Yeah, that I'm not a complete dope. But what I've been trying to, again, this is where I, how I view our friendship. I I feel like I try to make you more confident in your ideas. Yeah, I would say nine times out of ten, you give me that validation that I'm looking for. Yeah. There's there's always that one time where you're like, swing and a miss. Well, I mean, that's true of everybody. I think the fact that you're at like a 90-ish success rate, I mean, that's the lesson here is that you don't need me or Pete Bellotti or Stu Kovacs to tell you it's a good idea. Yeah, that should be your suggestion. That should be your buy or sell question. Just trust, trust your de-sell instincts. I'm working on it. What's the ETA on getting that finish line? Uh, I think uh, I think you're going to be hosting this next segment. Pre-death? Like, um, you think by four, like while you're still walking around, you will have gotten the self-confidence that I think you should have? Not likely. Okay, good times. Uh, we're off and running. It's Wednesday. I literally have no idea what day it is. I think it's Wednesday. It's me, Bogish, with Pretty Daddy and with you. Uh, phone lines are open, as always, at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Tweet at Pretty Daddy CBS, at Andrew Bogish, at Sports Writer. Uh, someone will talk sports with you when we come back on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome back to Writer Than You. I go to steakhouses now, and I now ask for, um, if I get a T-bone, I ask for the bone so I can bring them home and make, make uh, stock. That's real dumb, isn't it? <laughs> You're a weird dude, man. I like making French onion <laughs> soup, get, man. You get like a to-go bag for the bone? Yeah. <laughs> You're weird. On CBS Sports Radio. That's a new one, right, D-Cell? That just happened this week? Yeah, I. so I actually, I don't think, and Bill threw this in there, I, I don't think that's actually that odd. I think that happens more than you realize. Hold up. Hold up. Yeah, yeah. Up. No, please. I'm holding up. By the way, uh, bogus in for Bill for now here on this Wednesday edition 
of writer than you. Of course, Pretty Daddy is here, and of course, you can have a bad take on this. So please, back to you. Now, are you trying to tell me you've done this, or you've been at a restaurant and or steakhouse and seen another person do this? I have not done this, but I do know of people taking bones home with them for stock, for soups, for their dog. I think asking for the bones of a steak or any kind of hunk of meat is not that uncommon. I've never heard of this until this week when Bill said it out loud on this show. Now, I also love, love French onion soup. Yeah, that too. Like, when did that become popular? I mean, I think it's always been popular. I know it's always been a thing, but, like, I didn't know people love French onion soup. Oh, my God. It's one of the best things. One of the best things. But you've got to be careful. It's also one of those things that has to be done correctly. And if it's not, then it can be useless. Like, some things are kind of, you can't mess them up. Like, pizza is, like, 99% of the time it's delicious, especially in a place like New York here. You know, other places that are not as lucky as us, I, that, that percentage is probably a little bit different. But French onion soup is touchy. You can really go wrong on that or not make it in the, in the truest sense of it. And um, so you got to be, you got to know where you're getting it from. And if Bill's going to the length of asking for the leftovers from a steak, to make his soup, my guess is his is very good. I mean, I guess, but I'm not. I'm not into this. I'm not into the doggy bag for steak bones at a fancy steakhouse. Yeah, I, I, I think he even said the waiter told him that happens a lot. I think it's a very, um, it's like kind of, it's like kind of a bougie thing to do, and you're not bougie. I think that's the problem here. Yeah, I'm definitely not. But if it if it's so common, then why doesn't why doesn't my waiter ask me if I want to take them home then? Because I don't think at the outback they assume that's going to happen. Well, maybe they should. Because you're not, I don't think you're going to Del Frisco's not, or Ruth's Chris, right? Not with any regularity. Right, exactly. So you don't do that with your Bloomin' Onion, but you do it with your, like, $85 dry-age, triple-roasted, gold-encrusted steak. Stop looking down on me. I think I'm looking directly at you. <laughs> I just know where, and I, I'm living the same thing. I haven't been in a restaurant like that in a long time to take the bones home with me to make my French onion soup, which I've considered trying to make. And then I looked at the recipe and I gave up immediately, which I do oftentimes in life because you need an absurd amount of onions to begin with. And it's one of those things that you have to cook for forever. And I just don't have that commitment. I'd rather just drive to a place that I know is going to make it well and be good with it. So what you're saying is this is an effort thing. It's a, And I'm not good with effort. <laughs> okay, that's where me and you, this is yeah. where the friendship become best friends again. I'm a, I'm a bare minimum kind of guy. <laughs> now you're speaking yeah. my language. I mean, maybe just north of that. I'm not necessarily coasting, but at some point, sooner for me than for others, things become too effort necessary, and I don't need that. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> now, now we're on the same page. Okay, now along the lines of effort, can I suggest some to the Milwaukee Bucks? Because they fire Adrian Griffin, they bring in Doc Rivers, or Doc kind of like usurped the crown, however you want to lead it, read into all this drama, and all the Bucks have done is gone one and four with Doc in charge. Now, those are all road games that I guess are technically more difficult. Last night in Phoenix, they lose by eight. Damian Lillard and Brooke Lopez never played, and Chris Middleton got hurt early in the game. So it was Giannis and I guess Bobby Portis and some of the other Bucks against Durant and Booker and Beal. So not surprising that they lost that game in a vacuum, but... 
I'm surprised that they're just one and four with Doc. Surprised and elated. I'm, I want to say that I don't like enjoying other people's struggles, but this one seems like something we should all really relish enjoying because maybe Doc like stole this job, snuck his way into it first as a consultant, and now as the head coach, maybe you're just fed up with Doc's a very good head coach, but the postseason issues are real and you know them in particular in particular, very good and very well and very deeply on this show because even more than me, Bill loves to revel in Doc Rivers' failures. And obviously, I think, they're eventually going to figure this out. But again, this is a team that had 30 wins. They were 30 and 10, 30 and 13. Like, this is not a bad team that, oh, a new coach is here, breath of life. Now we're going to use better rotations, smarter rotations, new plans. Like, he's just a new caretaker on a good team. They should have basically kept going at that same pace or gotten better, and instead they're one and four. And then you throw on the absurdity that Doc is still scheduled to coach the East in the All-Star game, and this is pure comedy. Uh, Let's hear from Giannis post-game last night. Again, losing in Phoenix by eight, shorthanded, and now they have one win in five games with Doc Rivers. This has been, a, I think, one of the toughest road trips uh, in my in recent years. But it's okay. I think as a team we are trading towards the right direction. I, I really do believe that. I said it previous game, I, I really don't care about the score. I don't care about the score because I know when everything is healthy, Brook is back, Dame is back, Chris is healthy, everybody's on the same page, and we, go like, and we have played games together under Coach Duck, and our defense is still getting better. You know, firstly, we are moving the ball, the ball is not stacking. You know, to one player and try to play ISO. We're, we're going to be fine. I think we are trending towards the right direction. I'm still laughing at that early kind of switch in tone. He goes, but it's going to be okay. Like, the thing I don't get, though, is what we said before hearing from Giannis. They're not supposed to need... They were The reason why Adrian Griffin got fired is because they were winning, but just not as impressively as they wanted to win. Like, they were winning in spite of him. So they shouldn't be going backwards after getting rid of him and bringing in Doc Rivers. But for these last, what is it, week or and a half, they've gone backwards. They've lost in Denver. Okay, fine. They lost in Portland. Can't happen. They beat the Mavs, and I'm checking that box score right now because Kyrie definitely didn't play that game. And I have a feeling that Luka didn't. Now, Luka did play in that game. So they, they beat him in Dallas. But since then, they've lost in Utah. That's a tough place to play. And then this game last night, losing to the Suns in Phoenix when they didn't have Dame and Brooke at all, and then Chris Milton for three-plus quarters. So there's there's reasons why, whether it's been a tough opponent, shorthanded roster, there's reasons why they've dropped four of five. And they will be okay. They will finish this. They'll, they'll, they'll figure this out. But it, they probably should start caring about the score a little more than Giannis says they are, which apparently right now is zero. I really don't care about the score. I mean, you might just a little bit care about the score, especially when four of the last five have not gone in your favor. And you weren't trying to fix big problems, right? This was about making a good team a great team, and they haven't looked like a good team now since Doc's been in charge. 
And this is just not the place for them to be one and four on this show. There's no safe space here. Because then we get to the fact, and this is not Doc's fault. This is the NBA's fault. Somebody around Adam Silver needs to go, listen, this guy can't coach the All-Star game. He can't. And if you don't know why this is happening, the NBA has a rule where a coach can't coach in back-to-back All-Star games. I'm pretty sure that's by request of the coaches so they actually can get some time off. They don't want to be wasting their one mini vacation during the season by coaching the All-Star game. I think they wanted this set up. So Joe Mazzulla was the East coach last year. He'd be the East Coast, the East coach this year because, again, the Celtics have the best record, but he can't do it back-to-back years. So you go to the second-place team, and that's the Bucks. But they were the second-place team because of Adrian Griffin, not Doc Rivers. He clinched this spot after his fourth game in charge. Whether they were 4-0 or 1-3 like they were, that doesn't qualify you to coach the All-Star game. So let's go down the list. Number three at the moment, and sometimes number two depending on the day, is J.B. Bickerstaff. The Cavs have the best record in the NBA since mid-December. Put that guy in charge. Or if not him, then the next up is Tom Thibodeau. And his neck, his Knicks have won 10 of 11, 16 to 19. He's got Brunson and Randall on the team, maybe not in the game, but he's got a better claim to all of this. Somebody somewhere has got to go, this is just silly. I know the All-Star game means nothing, and coaching it means less than nothing, but Doc was unemployed as a head coach until eight days ago. He can't be the All-Star coach. That makes zero sense. It's not his fault, unfortunately. He's just kind of an innocent victim of all this, and he he knows it. Uh, I'm pretty sure you guys played the clip of that recently um, where he's just like, this is ridiculous. Um, Diesel has raised his hands. How can I help you, Pretty Daddy? It is ridiculous, and the reason we're clowning Doc Rivers, so to speak, I use air quotes on clowning him, because you you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you're Doc Rivers. Like, we have a 25-year sample size of Doc Rivers, where he's 6-10 and 10 in Game 7s, where he's 17-33 and 33 in clinching games in the playoffs, where he's blown three 3-1 series playoff leads. Like, yes, I understand he's 1-4. It's five games. I got it. If this was any other situation, we wouldn't be clowning the head coach of a very talented team. But we've seen enough from Doc. Like, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Like, that's where Bill's coming from. That's where this show is coming from. Five games is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. But when we have 25 years to point to, that's where we start clowning this dude. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Adrian Griffin was 30-13. and 13, Yeah. But this defense was horrendous. Well, because you know how many points they're giving up under Doc Rivers in five games per, per More game? More than Adrian Griffin's. 117. And I understand playing on a five-game West Coast trip is not easy. I don't care what team you are. 117 points, you're not going to win a lot of basketball games. I like when you get hoopier than thou. It's like through osmosis with Bill. Yeah, I mean, I, you have definitely learned the NBA. You're almost an NBA insider. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to learn a lot of sports here all at once. Like, I'm trying to learn a lot of. A I lot came of, as a blank slate to uh, CBS Sports Radio, and now I know some things. It would probably be better for Bill if I did come in as a blank slate, other than thinking <laughs> I knew what I was talking about when I don't. So that would probably would have been a better situation. Yeah, and I, th- I it's, it, this is just remarkable. This is one of those things that makes me believe that. There's something, somebody in charge, whether it's 
we're in just some weird simulation and somebody is running this on their computer or whatever it's called and they're, whether there's eight different universes at play here, whether there is a god or something in charge, like whatever power is, is living over us, there's something living over us when things like this happen. This story, right? We've got Doc finally ousted in Philadelphia. They finally move on. James Harden goes to the Clippers and is playing lights out. The Sixers, before Joel Embiid's knee injury, are just fine without Doc. Doc's on TV. All of this is going down with Milwaukee. Adrian Griffin's out. We find out that Doc's been chilling secretly as a consultant there, letting you think that maybe he's going behind the scenes to weasel his way into this chair. Then he gets the job, and they open one and four, and along the way, he gets named the Eastern Conference All-Star coach. Like, that's next level. You want to talk about NFL scripting Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Like, this is a writer's room thing. Like, let's get Doc into Milwaukee, and then let's make him go one and four. And in the middle of all of that, (laughs) let's throw this out there that, oh, because of a rule— because coaches don't want to coach the All-Star game, you can't do back-to-back ones. So Missoula's out, and guess who's up next? <laughs> Doc Bleakman Rivers. I mean, come on now. I mean, even the interim, Joe Prunty, has more wins than Doc. He went 2-1. and one. <laughs> Has that ever happened before? Has the full-time guy gotten fired and they reverted to the interim who had a better record in the shorter, in the shorter term? There's no way. There's no way. Uh, all right. This is going to be about as impressive as I can get. I can't do much. I have limited skills, limited talents, limited toughness. But this is about as athletic and impressive, I think, as I can get. I'm going to throw to me to do a CBS Sports Radio update. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to Writer Than You. I feel like that's a lot to lay on someone when you're first meeting them. Like, hi, <laughs> I'm Pretty Daddy. Nice to meet you. It's fair. Um, I gotta wait several interactions until I do that. If there's a, you know, meeting where you get called in, you got your 20-minute meeting, and, and the new boss, the boss person says hi there, 
anything I should know about you? Nice to meet you. Anything I should know about you? That wouldn't be an opening? Uh, it might be, and I may have to take that. But the thing is, I can't do that, then walk right out of the office. Like, we got to work through a couple things when I say that. He's going to have some questions, is what I'm saying. On CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to Writer Than You on this Wednesday morning. Andrew Bogushin for Bill Pretty Daddy is here. You're with us as well. Whether you're listening on a CBS Sports Radio affiliate, the free Odyssey app, Sirius XM, Channel 158. We thank you for listening, however you are. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we are still trying to get Bill linked up from Florida to do the show, uh, hopefully sometime soon. So you, for now, though, you're stuck with me in D-Cell. Doc Rivers adjacent is a development in the long-running Oakland A's-Las Vegas saga. We'll get that in just a second. But as always, the rejoin and D-Cell's magistry takes me somewhere else. So I love... And you love and Bill loves running by human interactions with D-Cell because you never know what the response is going to be or how D-Cell would handle it. And lo and behold, I found myself in another spot that I don't know how D-Cell would have handled it in the moment as well. This was me on Monday. Now, D-Cell already knows this story. I told him the next morning because I didn't think I'd have the chance to share it with him and America simultaneously. But I'm leaving here Monday. I'm going to the subway. My normal route, normal time. I am usually alone entering the subway. It's not a busy time, middle of the afternoon. But on this day, this past Monday, 48 hours ago, as I go down the stairs to the subway, there's a strange amount of people at the bottom of the staircase. It is three or four adult males together in some form of a group and then a younger, like mid-20s woman next to them. Not with them, but next to them. And... The group of guys is kind of situated around the ticket vending machine. And they're having issues buying their ticket. I I believe in retrospect, this was a group of, I don't, I don't, pardon me for not knowing the correct um, term, but a couple of men who need help with like regular everyday tasks. And they had some kind of teacher coach with them. And he was trying to get them to use the machine. He was aware of the woman standing there who needed the machine as well. But he wasn't asking his guys to move out of the way to let her get her ticket and come into the actual subway platform. So they are trying to use the machine. He's pointing things out while saying, and this lady's waiting, and this lady's waiting. And then one of the guys drops all of the coins he was trying to put into the machine. And here in New York and other places now, they actually have a clock a countdown when the next train is coming and the next train's coming. And the next one was not that it matters. The next one was not coming immediately afterwards. So I see what's going on. I can see that the train's coming. I can see that this woman doesn't know what to do because she needs a ticket and she doesn't know how to like interject into this setup. And the guys are not getting out of the way. So I make eye contact with her and I wave her over and I open up the exit gate so she can come in and not miss the train. And she comes through, she smiles, she says, thank you, I say no problem. She's standing next to me still after, I don't know, a couple of seconds that the train's coming in, and I go, yeah, I, I just didn't, I wasn't sure that wasn't going to end in time, so I didn't want you to miss the train. And she just kind of smiles, and she might have been attractive, and I, old, married, balding me might have appreciated that a nice, pretty girl was being nice to me and appreciating my tiny bit of gentlemanliness. And the next thing I know, she takes five or six big steps to our right. 
so she's in a different car than me when the subway doors open and we move on. <laughs> she had enough of that. Did you want to know? And I don't think I'm a scary guy uh, or like an awkward guy. I don't think. But she was out. She had enough. She, I rescued her from the platform. She was stuck. I got her out, got her on the train, and that was the end of the our lives crisscrossing. Now, you want, like, you told me this story because you, you want to know what I would have done in this situation. Yes. I think you did the proper thing. One, making sure the young lady was, was okay in that yes, situation. Yes, because I, I should point out, I wasn't sure what was going on when I first came down the stairs. And I, not that I'm in any way capable of helping her if she needed it, but I thought maybe the guys were bothering her. So I, I didn't, I, I didn't stop paying attention to their interaction then i saw that it was innocent but it was also a thing because she couldn't get herself into the platform to get on the subway i have had two not one but two similar not they have their they have their differences from your situation okay. where i have helped a female um on a subway platform and i have gone to literally Walk away right when I was done helping said person. You left. Yes, I you left. exited. But the one difference I will say from your situation, I did not find either of the females that I helped to be attractive. I would like to think I'm a good enough person, and maybe a lot of people in this office would disagree, <laughs> that I would help a human being whether they were attractive or not. Yes, I. I, I in my defense, this was not a purely piggy move by me. I, I think I would have helped anybody in a similar situation, but the um, her attractiveness amplified the reaction. That's where the that's where her being attractive and younger than me came into play. In that she was like, it felt like, ew, old man, I gotta go now. Uh, one case, I held a door on a subway for a young lady who was hustling very hard to try and make this train. Yeah. She looked like she was having a rough day to begin with before she even got to the subway platform. As soon as she got on the train, and when I held the door, I put my earbuds right back in. Right. I didn't even... Surprised you didn't put your hand down so she couldn't get on the train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other All situation... Full. Wait for the next one. The other situation, a young lady had dropped her coffee on the subway platform Ugh. as she was getting off the train. So okay. the, the coffee dropped in front of her. Then she slipped in her own coffee. No way. And I helped her back up to her feet. She fell to the ground? Yes, on her own dropped coffee. Did she fall into the coffee yes. too? Oh, my Lord. Yes, and I helped her back up to her feet. I didn't say a word to her, and I walked away. I would have called it a day if I was her. Rough day. I fell, I tripped recently going up the stairs on a, a wintry, kind of wet, slimy morning. And like I fell to, to the ground in Penn Station because I tripped and then slipped trying to save myself. So I went down and people were like, ooh, and tried to help me. I didn't look at anyone. I just said, thank you. And I went <laughs> as fast as I could. Up to my feet and onto the next train. I wanted no visual confirmation of anyone helping me, seeing their shock, seeing my shame. I exited that really quickly. That was the smart move. No eye contact needed. No, no thank yous. No, I said thank you over my shoulder and I took off. I've never been quicker than in that moment. Let's get to Vegas now and the Oakland A's. I, I don't know where this came from, and I'm still confused by um, the level of doubt 
of the A's going to Vegas? I mean, I, I thought that this was done. Like, I'm pretty sure MLB has a, has voted approval for the A's to move to Vegas. So I didn't think we were still in the if the A's go to Vegas stage. But this is Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman. She was on a podcast, I think, Monday and says out loud with details that she doesn't understand the A's plan. It doesn't make sense specifically to her where they want to put their stadium in her city. We have a very large complex, probably about 60 acres. We probably could cobble together more land so they could possibly have 100 acres. And it's in the historic old part of town, which is where all major interstate highways come together. We have seven access points to it. It is in an opportunity zone. There are all these benefits. And so when they said no, I thought, hmm. This doesn't make sense. And so why is it happening? And then I thought, well, because they really want to stay in Oakland. They want to be on the water. They have that magnificent dream, and yet they can't get it. Would it be a good thing if the A's do, in fact, move to the Tropicana? I personally, I'm not talking about anybody else anywhere else in this community. I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland to make their dream come true. Whoa. So there's the end. I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland to make their dream come true. Can they stay in Oakland? Like, that's my first question. Can that even be a thing? And then I'm trying to figure out why Carolyn Goodman said that. So then, because she said it, everyone heard it and read it and went, whoa. So she picked up the old phone, got on the old X machine, and spit out a tweet going, So, obviously, Las Vegas would be a great host city for Major League Baseball. And if the A's do come, you know, we'll welcome with open arms, blah, blah, blah. But she still said it doesn't make sense where they want to put this thing. It's not where we suggested. And I think they should figure out a way to stay in Oakland. D-Cell's got a theory on where this came from, from Mayor Goodman. I think the mayor of Las Vegas is playing hardball here with A's owner John Fisher. John Fisher wants out of Oakland desperately, wants out of the Coliseum desperately. In fact, they'll be leaving the Coliseum because the lease is up after this upcoming year. Right. And Vegas obviously isn't going to be ready for about three years, the stadium proposal. My theory is the Vegas mayor had a different proposal of where the Oakland A's should be located She wanted them in North Vegas, not on the Strip, which is where this stadium proposal that John Fisher wants so desperately to be on the Strip in the middle, in the heart of Las Vegas. I think the mayor's trying to play hardball here, saying, hey, you want to come in my city? Sure, that's great. We would love more pro sports, but you go where I say you go. You go where I want you to go. But she doesn't have ultimate control on this thing right so this is what's confusing to me i i I start to understand that but what i don't get is the i think they should stay in oakland thing especially because as you just alluded to she and her office actually don't have control over this they can't tell the a's not to be on the spot that they want to be which is literally the tropicana like that will be knocked down to the ground to make space for their stadium That's a Clark County thing, not a Vegas City thing, not her office. So she actually doesn't have a lot of power to wield here. 
I I think this is just simply her letting her true feelings slip. I don't know that she has an ulterior motive. I think she just said what was on her mind, and because she can't really influence it, like she's she's kind of on the edge of these conversations, and this is just the way she feels. You think the Vegas mayor really cares about the A's remaining in Oakland? I think that if if she doesn't have say over where they put their stadium, like she's not in this conversation. She can't do anything here. I, and, and yeah, this this one sentence about staying in Oakland changes my mind about this, or like keeps me confused about what she meant here. Had she just talked about the site doesn't make sense and stayed in that area, like just about that, logistics, geography, whatever, I'm on board completely with her bargaining through the media. But the they maybe they should stay in Oakland thing, like that's not on the table. They're not staying in Oakland. They have the only thing that's left to stop this from the last time there was an update to the story was lawsuits filed in Vegas and in and in California about them leaving. I think like the Vegas teachers uh, union is suing over something with the 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 funding for this for the stadium. Like that that's the only hurdle. They have all the approvals that they need. They have MLB approval. So I just I don't see what the room would be for her to be stiff arming them right now. And no one else has seemed to explain what she could have been doing here. I think this is about creating a narrative. But to your point, I don't know what the end game is because it seems like we already have the end game. Yeah, it's it's done, right? Unless some judge somewhere says they can't move. Uh, hour one's in the books. Hour two's coming. It's at least buy or sell and a host to be determined. It's all next, writer than you on CBS Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.